there, it's Eliza D, host of the podcast How to Save the Planet. I interview people whose professions and whose passions have to do with climate change. Today I am talking to Dr. Joanne Halverson. But before we get into the interview, here is some background about Joanne. Dr. Joanne Halverson grew up in the Pacific Northwest and has lived in both the city and a cabin in the woods. She has a doctorate degree in clinical psychology from Antioch University and her master's in existential phenomenology from Seattle University. For over 30 years, she has worked as a therapist, educator, researcher, slash writer, and supervisor. Relishing in multiple perspectives, she has worked with people of varied ethnicities, ages, and cultures. As both pupil and friend, she has been deeply involved with several traditional Coast Salish and indigenous uh, uh, spiritual leaders. And now, please enjoy my conversation with Joanne. Hello and welcome, Joanne, to How to Save the Planet. Uh, thanks. Great to be here with you. Um, so what do you do and where do you work? Um, let's see. What do I do? Well, I'm a psychotherapist and I also do women's group and retreats. And I have also been a professor for many years, but I have stopped teaching when COVID began but I'm still doing uh, psychotherapy and uh, retreats. And most of my retreats that I run are in nature on land with camping and uh, with the aim of helping people really reconnect with the earth and their own natural rhythms. Mm -hmm. Um, What degree or degrees do you have and where did you go to school? Okay, so I have two degrees from Seattle University, which is also where I taught for quite a few years in the psychology department. My first degree, I got a bachelor's in sociology and my master's is in psychology in the existential phenomenology program. And that sounds rather mysterious, but it really means looking at the most important issues in life And so it had a kind of philosophical part to it. And then I got my doctoral degree at Antioch University. So I have a doctorate in clinical psychology. Nice. Um, What got you interested interested in like psychology and sociology and psychotherapy? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to keep it fair. Okay. Okay, well, first of all, my father was a psychoanalyst. So my father was a psychiatrist and an analyst. And he would come home when I was a little girl and talk about, without mentioning their names to protect their privacy, but he would talk about his clients' dreams. And I was always Mm -hmm. fascinated with dreams. So I'd say that was the first influence was my dad, Mm -hmm. who was um, also a professor at the University of Washington but a psychoanalyst, a psychiatrist. However, when I was a teenager, I really just wanted to be an artist. So I went to art school for a little bit of time. And then in my early twenties, I moved to the woods on one of our islands nearby to San Juan Island. And with my husband, we built a cabin in the woods. I had children pretty young and then I was asked by people in the community because everybody was a small town so people got to know each other Mm -hmm. and they knew I did artwork and they also knew I had been a hospice volunteer and so I was asked to work in the mental health agency doing art therapy 
So nowadays you have to have a lot of training to do art therapy. Mm-hmm. But then when I was in my early 20s in this small community, they just sort of trusted me to do that. And from there, I decided to continue with my education. Um, what are your thoughts on climate change and climate anxiety? Well, I have an awful lot of thoughts on that. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, please, please share. <laughs> yes, but I, I'll, t- I'll start um, with just saying that when I was a teenager, that was kind of the first wave of awareness of environmental issues. So that we heard about a hole in the ozone mm-hmm. and um, you know different species that were struggling. So when I was a teenager, I got really depressed about issues with the environment because I've always been an animal lover and a nature lover. Um, and that was really kind of, a, but the good thing about that, it was kind of the beginning of an awakening interestingly about environmental issues, but also about social justice. So that's when kind of women's rights came into being and the first wave of Black uh, Black Rights Matter and um, Native American rights. And that all came to be kind of in the first wave of the cultural revolution in the late 60s and early 70s. And as I said, I lived in the woods and I raised my children off grid in the woods. So they grew up in nature. And I think for many people I know, nature, which is which we are a part of, although we tend to forget that, is, is deeply healing and calming for people. So in that psychological sense, nature is good for us. And these days, now that we're living through the fires you know, the wildfires and hearing about other pretty difficult situations with climate change. I think just in the last couple of years, other people have a tremendous awareness of it. About five or six years ago, I taught eco-psychology at Seattle U. And back then it was, that's not that long ago, but it was considered kind of weird. You know? And now it's not at all. So there is really burgeoning awareness just as there is burgeoning climate change and stress. And of course, climate change is is very anxiety producing because everything is connected in the world. You know, our food supply, the air we breathe, how we treat each other, and our idea of what the future looks like, especially for people like you, Eliza, who are young right? And you want a future and you want a future in a healthy place. And I have um, clients and children and grandchildren. I want that for them. (laughs) So I also think climate anxiety, I think it's, and grief, there's there's a lot of grief with people too, but it's kind of balanced at the same time with this growing awareness and people becoming more willing to actually make changes and do something. So I always have hope because when people get fired up, they do things and that can change, make important changes. Do you do, you do a lot of like eco anxiety, like count, um, counseling? Yes, but I really kind of weave it in with, with um, a more sociological perspective and with how to heal. 
Because as I said, I really believe that people heal when they have, are more connected to the earth or to nature. And it's not just my belief, it's actually, thank goodness, sort of been research is proving that out. People feel better when they go outside, when they have beauty, when they eat better food, when they move their bodies outside. So I try to integrate it with healing and helping people get back to a more natural which, way of being, which is also less stressful because people these days do too much, work too hard and spend too much time in social media without having that time for more quiet and beauty and meditation, which is what I think we need more balance in that way. So I kind of integrate those. And I also draw from experiences that I've had with um, indigenous people here, the Coast Salish people are in our, our area here. Mm -hmm. And those people who have lived in a more communal or interdependent way, they have a lot of wisdom for us. So I've learned a lot from indigenous people, local people that's helped me to pass on some of their wisdom to, to others. Yeah. Um, how did you get into the um, a position that you are in now, like career-wise? Okay, so as I said, I started doing art therapy without any kind of training when I was yeah. in my early 20s. And then I decided to move back to Seattle. I was originally from Seattle. So to go back to school and um, that's when I just, this, I was thinking of being a social worker. So I took sociology with a social work mm -hmm. uh, kind of focus. But then I really did, got more interested in working with people individually and trying to understand more about what, on, what went on with people internally, not just in social systems. But I love the marriage of sociology and psychology because our society and our culture affects how we feel about the world and how we, you know, feel in our families. So kind of like, um, you know, like the rings of an onion that the culture and the society affect the family and the community and the person because we are really linked to everything. That same message of interdependence and interconnection. And then I worked for years in community mental health and then I was a supervisor and trained other therapists for many years and decided that I would go get a doctoral degree. So I did that like in my mid forties, something like that. Yep. That's really impressive. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a good um, path for me. Getting a doctoral degree did allow me like to teach at the university yeah. and to present at conferences. So um, it allowed me to share a bit more and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, so then are you Dr. Um, Joanne ha um, Halverson? I am, I'm Dr. Joanne Halverson. <laughs> nice. Um, what does climate justice and environmental justice mean to you and your work? Hmm. Oh, that that is, that's just so big and important because climate justice is linked to every other kind of justice. You think about it. Um, I don't know if you heard this, Eliza, but they did a, after that awful heat apocalypse that we experienced for a few days, the end of June, do you remember that? Mm 
Yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. <laughs> and then they started looking around Seattle at different neighborhoods. And they found that people down in like Renton and Burien and other um, more industrialized areas of the city, the temperatures were a few degrees higher and more people got sick and died because there aren't enough trees. What do you know? <laughs> so, you know, trees make a huge difference and trees are, are connected with social justice. So that I remember the mayor having an announce, putting an announcement that they were gonna to try to put in more greenways in those sort of urban cement areas where people don't get enough fresh air and they get overheated. And also, you know, think about like in the South, there are many chemical companies in poor minority neighborhoods. So climate justice and social justice are completely interconnected. And also I think about animals, you know, <laughs> the world wouldn't be much fun without all of these other wonderful creatures in our lives and they deserve justice too. Yep. Yeah, I think it's a big deal. And I do talk about it in my work without trying to be too preachy or um, interject when it's not the right time. Mm -hmm. I also try to show that justice makes us feel better. You know, altruism and giving and helping is also healing for us. It's not just a burden. It's, yeah, that makes sense. it's good. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the most valuable thing you've you've learned over your career? <laughs> um, it's hard to put it down to one thing, but let's see. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of a hard yeah, question. <laughs> it's a big question, but it's a really good question. So let me think a second. I think I think the number one thing I would think of is that one well, actually two things, but they go together. One is that we all, we are really interconnected so that your culture, your family, your society really influences who you are, your socioeconomic status, right? You're, we're so interconnected that we need to look at all those areas of our lives to understand ourselves and to heal ourselves. And the other part of that healing is to be kind to yourself because most of us are too hard on ourselves and too critical. And that's also part of our culture. It's, it's a pretty judgmental in some ways. So that's that, that we are very interconnected with our society, our culture, and our family. And also that to heal and grow for ourselves and for others, we need to be kind and merciful with ourselves. Yeah. Um, what can people keep in, in mind when they're having like kind of like what, 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 what when they're feeling anxious about the environment or that sort of thing? Right. I think that's a great question. So one is that that you if grief or anxiety come up, it's just natural. I think it's natural to have fear or grief about, you know, things that we love that are endangered. However, I think the major answer is advocacy and action mm -hmm, and spreading the word. So doing things like what you're doing, if you take some action, you feel stronger, 
you feel empowered and you're also sharing. So I think those things really happen and also balanced with making sure you're taking good care of yourself. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to folks going in, 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 into the um, counseling or, um, so, or um, psychotherapy field? Right. I think, first of all, you need to be in therapy yourself, especially when you're beginning to study these things, so that you can tell if you start to feel upset or frustrated or confused when you're with another person you're trying to help. You need to know what's yours and what's theirs. So you need to have yourself pretty figured out. That's sort of one of the benefits and the hard parts about becoming a psychotherapist is you, is you have to work on your own stuff all the time. The benefit though, is you keep, get to keep growing, being clearer and hopefully get some wisdom. And I would say to people, make sure you have good supervisors, people you can turn to for help and support. And that, um, yeah, and that you're fascinated with people because people are really fascinating. Yeah. And so are societies and cultures. And like I said, I believe they all go together. And that to me has been the mistake in psychology is that it hasn't until recently, partly because of social justice issues like Me Too and Black Lives Matter, and the climate crisis, we haven't looked enough at social issues and how they impact people. But people like you, Eliza, who are bringing this into the public, you know, you're really sharing that, that this is not only a social issue, climate change, but it's a psychological issue. You know, it, it hurts. And mm -hmm. together, we can make it better. Yeah. And, and counseling is supposed to make things better. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on to How to Save the, um, the Planet. Those are all the questions that I have for you, but if you have any, uh, anything else to say, any last words? Okay, I would, I would say that it really does help, number one, to get out into nature, even if it's rainy and you just take a little walk around. Studies show that natural light works on our pituitary gland and the rest of us and makes us feel better. And beauty makes us feel better. I would also say, do something, whether it's contributing a few dollars to a, to a, you know, the Environmental Protection Agency or, or Na National Wildlife, you know, do something. You'll feel better if you do something. And then I would say, um, look into indigenous cultures like Native American, Aboriginal, and I'll recommend one book that's called um, for, for anybody to read. It's pretty, pretty easy to read. It's called The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know is Possible. And it talks mm -hmm. about interconnection and how interconnection rather than separation can heal so many of the things that are difficult right now in our world. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Eliza, that was great. <laughs> Well, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for, for, for tuning in to How to Save the Planet. See you next time.